Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. I offer my respectful obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all the devotees who are gathered here today. You are most worshipful because you are Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. And we welcome the guests who have come here for the first time. I'll read to you a, a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam, sixth canto, uh, first canto, sixth chapter, which is a story of Narada Muni, who as a young boy became enlightened by the association of devotees. And he tells his story in this sixth chapter to his disciple, Srila Vyasadeva. Narada Muni was only five years old at the time when he was living with his mother. And some sages came to spend f four months during the rainy season known as Chaturmasya. When, of course, at that time in India, the roads were impassable. It's also a, a Shastric injunction that one should utilize that time for speci especially for austerities and for Vaishnavas, they go deeply into hearing and chanting during that time. In any case, generally, the sadhus would stay in one place. So they happened to choose the home of this little boy and his mother, who was a single mother. And he was an only child. So they stayed there for the four months. During that time, this little child was engaged in hearing what they were speaking about, which all day long was Krishna Kata, as mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Satam Prasangam Mamavirya Sambhido, Bhavanti Hrit Karna Rasayana Kata, Taj Joshana Dashua Pavarga Vartmini, Shradaratir Bhaktir Anukramishyati. The way to advance in the process of Bhakti Yoga is by associating with those who are vitally interested in the practice of devotional service. They're known as satam. Everyone please say satam. That's all of you. Satam prasangam. This is very good association and we are a product of our association. Mama virya sambido bhavanti hrit karna rasayana kata. And in this verse, Lord Kapiladev is speaking to his mother and he goes on to say that the vibrations that one hears from advanced devotees acts like medicine. Some medicine you take in your mouth, some you inject intravenously. But this medicine you take through the ear. And from the ear it enters within the heart. And from the heart it changes your direction in life. From pavarga, which means entanglement in the material world and all the anxieties that go along with it, to apavarga, it undoes the knot that keeps me bound to fruit of work in this world which obligates me to more fruit of work in the future. So this little boy, Narada, also engaged in service to these sages. And Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, a sure way 
to get perfect knowledge is to approach an advanced transcendentalist and render service. When you render selfless service to someone, their heart opens to you and the contents come out. Krishna says, Tadvidhi pranipatena priprashnena sevaya upadakshantite jnanam jnaninas tattvadarshinaha. Try to approach somebody who's got it, who's achieved a, a status in spiritual life through serving his or her own spiritual master and having performed the process over many, many years or lifetimes. And there, inquire and render service and be very submissive. So that's what Narda did in this case. And the sages were very pleased with him and blessed him and gave him uh, transcendental knowledge. And then one day, he accepted from their plate, in fact, he asked for it, the remnants. They would take prasadam in the home, and afterwards, there were some little uh, bits of prasadam left over, and he said, can I take that? And they said, yes, you take it. And from that, he felt uh, a profound change in his life, this intimate connection with sadhus. And he began to feel spontaneously attracted to the process of devotional service. So this is consistent with the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who in his instructions to Sanatan Goswami says that devotional service begins with association with sadhus, it's continued by that association, and one reaches the perfection of life by association with sadhus. And by contrast, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was once asked, what is a Vaishnava? He said, Asatsangatyag e Vaishnavachar. He said, a Vaishnava is one who avoids bad association. Or in this case, Asat. Say Asat. So there's Sat and Asat. So he avoids a bad association and leans in to good association with all the right intentions and rendering service. So that's what Narda did as a little boy. And then the sages left, and he felt great separation from them. And soon after they left, his mother was out milking a cow and was bitten by a snake and died. And there he was, all by himself. But he recalls in his story to his disciple, Shilavyasadev, that he wasn't afraid. He felt fortified by spiritual knowledge, by the association he'd had with these sadhus. And so he left his home behind and he went off wandering. And he went through various places. He'd never seen the world at all. But now he walked through mining fields and into villages and sometimes big metropolises. And he began to take in information everywhere, seeing everything in relationship to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and noticing how the energies everywhere were working under his control. And this is something Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. And that is, everything that you see here in this world is working because of my glance, because I, my touch is there. It is operating in the most miraculous way that you see it operating. And then he was feeling fatigued as many of you may be feeling today, since nobody's taking any food or drinking water, or many people aren't. And he, he went to um, a river, and he took some cool water and refreshed himself with a bath, and then he sat down in a forest. 
And he had received instructions from these sages about how to fix his mind on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he did that. And suddenly, in his meditation, he beheld the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead directly in front of him. And there's a description of how all of his spiritual senses became simultaneously enlivened. Each one of the senses is meant to serve the Lord. That's what makes them happy and complete. In fact, in his prayers, Sri Prahlad Maharaj says that when we serve Krishna, then we naturally become happy. And he said, when we decorate Krishna, we naturally become decorated. Just as much as if you decorate your face and you see the image in the mirror, you'll notice the image in the mirror is also decorated. So we're like, we are expansions of Krishna. But when we give service to the original source, and this is a great revelation because everyone wants to know where to put their energy. So the Srimad Bhagavatam is telling us this. Then we become fully satisfied by giving service to the Supreme. So this was an, an astounding revelation for this little boy sitting in the forest. And then suddenly the image of the Lord disappeared. And in great anxiety, he tried to get that image back again. And mechanically, he tried to fix his mind, again, uh, bringing, trying to bring the form of the Lord back into the purview of his senses and mind, but to no avail, it wouldn't come back. So suddenly, he heard a voice, which was the voice of Krishna speaking to him, saying that because you're not perfect in this life, you can no longer see me. And the voice was encouraging at the same time that you will see me, but you have to go, out, go through this life with your mind fixed on my service and following the instructions of the sages as they've given it to you. And then you'll come to the perfection of life. And he does recount in this story about how he attained perfection at the end of his life. In fact, he describes it as a simultaneous attainment, just as much as when you see lightning, you also see illumination at the same time. So in the same way, when he left his physical body, he entered immediately into his spiritual body. So this is the overall, uh, or a summary of the story of Narada Muni as he gives it to Srila Vyasadeva. And the chapter before this, in the chapter before this, he gives many instructions to his disciple, Srila Vyasadeva, who was feeling incomplete, even after compiling all the Vedas, and even after compiling the Bhagavad Purana. He hadn't specifically delineated the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And there are many very important instructions in that chapter. So now I'm going to read you one verse in purport, but only if you say, Hare Krishna, really loud. That was semi-loud. Try one more time. That was pretty loud. Okay. This is First Canto, Chapter 6, Text 10. I took this as the special mercy of the Lord who always desires benediction for his devotees. And so thinking, I started for the north. And in context, this goes back to when his mother just passed away. So hear it again in that context. I took this as special mercy of the Lord who always desires benediction for his devotees, and so thinking, I started north. His mother just got killed. So I'll read it again. 
I took this as the special mercy of the Lord who always desires benediction for his devotees. And so thinking, I started for the north. Here's Srila Prabhupada's purport. Confidential devotees of the Lord see in every step a benedictory direction of the Lord. What is considered to be an odd or difficult moment in the mundane sense is accepted as special mercy of the Lord. Mundane prosperity is a kind of material fever and by the grace of the Lord, the temperature of this material fever is gradually diminished and spiritual health is obtained step by step. Mundane people misunderstand it. So hearing the voice of Krishna in our lives is something that Krishna himself recommends in the Bhagavad Gita. He says, if you hear my voice, then you'll be properly directed. And if you ignore me, then you'll do so at your own peril. You'll become more and more entangled in activities here. In the Gita, he says in third chapter, 31st verse, Ye matam idam nityam anutishtanti manava. Don't envy my instructions, just follow them carefully and you'll attain the perfection of life. And then later on in the 18th chapter, he says just what I recounted a second ago, that he's giving good instruction to us. So let's, uh, and, and we should follow it. So let's just think of a few ways in which uh, Krishna's voice is there for us and we can how and think about ways that we can tune into that voice of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. First of all, in the context of this verse, when disaster came, what is normally considered disaster to this little boy, because he had been fortified by association with sages, he took this <clears throat> great change in life, that is the loss of his mother, to be something of the, mer the great mercy of the Lord. So this is an extraordinary way of seeing the world. However, it is actually the quintessential attitude of the Vaishnava. This is necessary, according to the Srimad Bhagavatam, this meaning, this attitude of accepting everything that happens to us in this life as coming from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And if one can accept even the reversals in life as the mercy of Krishna, then one is able to inherit the kingdom of God. So this verse is well known to most devotees. It is in the 10th canto, 14th chapter of the Gita, 8th verse. Tate anukampam susamikshamano bunjanevatmakritam vipakam and this means that the devotee, when going through the various reversals in life, considers that these have been given to me by the mercy of the Lord to diminish my karma in this world and to take me back to him. And the devotee simply tolerates these things, accepting them as the Lord's arrangement, and hopes for the special mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in this way, Sadaya Bhak, one becomes an inheritor of what? The kingdom of God. And Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, who comments on this verse, says that even after a devotee gives his or her life to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, following the advice of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, in the 18th chapter, 66th verse, which is, 
Sarvadharman Parityaja Mamekam Sharanam Braja Ahang Tongs Pape Bio Mukshaishami Mahasuchaha. Very important verse in which Krishna says, Just give up everything else and surrender to me. Give up all the other ways of trying to maintain yourself in this world or trying to be safe and happy and take to this path of surrender to me. And I will deliver you from all sinful reactions and also protect you in all circumstances. And he says, Masuchaha, don't worry, don't fear. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, even after one surrenders in this way, there may be uh, what appears to be reversals in one's life. Is this possible? Has anybody noticed any friction in their life even after approaching Krishna and his representative and saying, I surrender? Or has your life been completely perfect with no blemishes whatsoever? You've noticed some friction? Okay, one person. I, that's really good. Oh, two more. Three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, ten people out of 400 here <laughs> have experienced some reversals in their life. Well, here's an astounding point that Srila Vishnu Chakravartakur makes, which make, may make you, uh, the ten people here who are experiencing that, uh, feel a little bit better about it. And that is, he says that even after one says to Krishna, well, there's a form you can fill out, actually. It's outside. That We have a table there. It's got a little box on it that says, I, I give up. Uh, I give up trying to organize my life in such a way that I can be happy in the material world. I'll go on doing my due diligence. I'll do my duty, whatever I have to do. But I'm depending fully on Krishna in this life. And Krishna, I surrender to you. You can actually check that box off. You can put your signature on it if you want for emphasis. But even after you do that, there may be reversals. There will be reversals in the material world, which is topsy-turvy. There'll be many reversals of fortune, bewildering reversals of fortune. And Srila Vishwanath Thakavarti Thakur says that this isn't ordinary karma for the devotees. This is actually Krishna's special mercy. And he goes on to say that even after one surrenders to Krishna, there may be some last vestiges of material desire left in the heart. Just a residue, just like when you burn toast in your house. You can come back two days later and say, somebody might say, oh, did you make burnt toast in this house? Did you burn toast? Yes, I did. There's a slight odor left over. So after my involvement in the material world in very enthusiastic ways, even after surrendering to Krishna, there may be last vestiges of material desire. And Krishna knows exactly what they are. Perhaps even more than we do. Definitely more than we do. And therefore, uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur goes on to say, he's expert at giving us remedial measures. Those remedial measures are special kinds of troubles or miseries which make us uh, eager to give up the last vestiges of material desire that we may have to enjoy the material world and go back to him. Of course, we know that uh, Krishna himself mentions in the Srimad Bhagavatam that when he sp shows special mercy he, to a devotee, he takes away things that aren't good for the devotee. But it's, it's a little bit hard to uh, tolerate that when it's happening. 
So it takes preparation. And this is the life of a devotee, preparing oneself to accept Krishna's mercy in whatever form it comes, listening for Krishna's voice in ways that uh, may be saying that I'm taking things away from you which are not good for you. One day when I was gardening, we live in California, my wife and I, Nira Akula, who's the um, esteemed camera person here, live streaming this event. We live in a house in Burlingame, California. And in, at that house, we have a garden, the garden in the backyard. One day when I was gardening in the backyard on a fine summer day, all the windows were open in the home, and a bird flew in. And I immediately thought of uh, trouble. Bird in the house is not a good idea. Wild bird in the house especially. So I went in to free a little bird. And when I went into the kitchen, which is the first door I could enter, the bird looked at me with great concern and flew to the next room. I opened up all the windows in the next room and the bird flew to the living room. I opened up all the windows in the living room, said, little bird, I am your friend, please go out. And he flew into each one of the bedrooms successfully where I did the same exercise, encouraging to fly out. And he finally made an entire circumambulation of the, of the house and ended up back in the kitchen. He took one glance at me and in his eyes he said, you tried to kill me, I escaped, and now I'm going out. And he finally flew out the window. And after he left, I saw myself in that little bird's eyes because I was thinking of the terror in his eyes and the accusatory uh, glance that he gave me that I was trying to harm him in some way. I, had n I love birds, actually. I was looking at some this morning, little robins floating around. They're fascinating, beautiful little creatures. I'd never heard a little bird. That's the last thing on my mind to hurt a bird. But he thought I was trying to kill him, and he looked at me with great terror in his eyes. And he had no idea that the noise I was making, opening up the windows, was actually meant for his benefit. And so in that moment when I reflected on my encounter with this little creature, I thought of how ignorant I am of the ways in which Krishna moves the energy of this world in my favor. And oftentimes I take it as an insult. I take it as an embarrassment that I've lost something. I take it as I'm being persecuted by God because he's changed something in my life. But according to the culture of the Srimad Bhagavatam, one who takes all of the incidents that occur in one's life and thinks about them deeply, processes processes them in a way in which to remember that Krishna is the is a purely moral agent. He has no intention of harming any living entity. The only harm that I'm uh, coming to is caused by my own shortcomings and the way that I move about this world in ignorance. So is there a cause uh, for my suffering and entanglement in the world? Yes, there is, and it's caused, according to the uh, Vaishnav Bhakti scriptures, by ignorance. And another word for ignorance is ignorance. I've turned away and ignored uh, my source and my connection with him, and therefore 
I suffer. So there, th this is one way to remember Krishna, is to develop this attitude that it's Krishna's mercy. The things that happen to me is, are Krishna's mercy. So uh, you can say, oh, that was Krishna's arrangement. Now let's try the mantra one time. Oh, comma, that was Krishna's arrangement, period. Would you like to try it one time? Okay, ready? Oh, that was Krishna's arrangement. Let's try it a few more times to be prepared for the next time something goes sideways. Oh, that was Krishna's arrangement. Oh, that was arrangement. Now emphasize the that. Oh, that was Krishna's arrangement. Of course, it doesn't work so well when you say it to other people. It's better if you use it on yourself. My god brother Mahamuni was once stricken with a severe fever, influenza. This was in St. Louis, Missouri. And he was lying on the floor of the Brahmacharya Ashram in his sleeping bag. And there were some new bhaktas there. And they heard Mahamuni, as they were brushing their teeth in the corner, uh, make a groaning sound because a fever, a fever affected his body so severely. He was in pain. So he made a groaning sound. And one of the new bhaktas uh, volunteered a little information for him, a little sermon, truncated sermon. He said, Prabhu, you're not your body. <laughs> and Mahamuni, with all his strength, got up on one elbow, peeked out from his sleeping bag, and he said, Prabhu, you're not my body either. <laughs> <clears throat> However, one who wants to advance quickly in the process of devotional service will position him or herself in a way to see everything as Krishna's arrangement. This is all that's asked in the Srimad Bhagavatam of a, of a devotee in order to inherit the kingdom of God. And although I may not feel it, if I say it, and then I think about it deeply, oftentimes we'll find that we're able to connect the dots later. Even Steve Jobs, in his uh, interesting sojourn as a human being, had many reversals of fortune, which he spoke about at a commencement speech at Stanford University, in which he said that <clears throat> he started this company from nothing. It became wildly successful, and then he hired somebody as a CEO who came in and fired him from his job, and he thought it was the end of the world. And then, after that, without anything to lose, he went back to the drawing board and then made an even bigger success. And then after that, he was informed that he was going to die. And he said, that was the best of all. He said, I was informed that I was going to die. I should get my papers in order. And then 24 hours later, he found out he wasn't going to die right away. But he had some years to live. And he said within that time period when he found out he was going to die and the time he found out that he had more years to live, he learned more about life than he did in the lifespan up until that point. And Srimad Bhagavatam says, better a moment of full consciousness than an entire life lived in ignorance, ignoring the fact that I'll have to leave this world and, and trying to artificially adjust for the various anomalies that come to me unsought in this world. Another way in which one can hear the voice of Krishna quite clearly is through the Bhagavad Gita. In fact, the Bhagavad Gita, Rupa Goswami, one of the greatest 
acharyas. And the main acharya in our line of Gaudiya Vaishnavism coming from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu states in the Lakhu Bhagavatamrita that the Bhagavad Gita is the most extraordinary book because it is spoken directly by the Supreme Personality of God in Himself. And if one simply reads that book with that in mind, that is the direct instruction of the Supreme Personality of God, and even if you don't believe it, you suspend disbelief temporarily and you simply accept it in that way, you will be so well situated in your intelligence that you'll be able to make good decisions in this life which lead to a, a life of, of sublimity, of transcendence. And therefore, once when Prabhupada was talking to a yogi who was emphasizing the impersonal aspect of God and was saying that actually nobody knows what God looks like or what God is really trying to say, that it's up for grabs. Prabhupada said, no, it, it's, it's an open secret, but it's open to everybody. It's there in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna speaks for himself. So anyone who would like to hear the voice of Krishna can simply pick up the Bhagavad Gita as it is and read it again and again. And that's a highly recommended activity. In fact, Bhagavad Gita, Song of God, oftentimes when we go out door to door and walk around in the outside community introducing Bhagavad Gita, we show people the title of the book. We say Bhagavad means God and Gita means song. It means the song of God. Who wouldn't want to hear that? And what would happen if you actually heard the song of God? How would your life change? What do you think? Immensely and dramatically. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it would, and it, and it does, if you simply hear the song. And also, advanced transcendentalists can take lessons from nature. We find in the second canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam a verse given by Shukadev Goswami in which he says, Ayur Harati Vaipum San, that uh, the sun is rising and setting. And as it's going overhead, it's saying to us, I'm taking away your life. Then there's an exception given. It says that those who are engaged in hearing and chanting about Krishna are spared from this diminishment because they are working their way back home, back to Godhead. And furthermore, m messages from nature come to the great sage who lived in the wild, who was met by Maharaj Yadu. This is in the 11th canto, and it's a story told by Krishna himself. When Maharaj Yadu meets the Avaduta Brahman and asks him, how did you become enlightened? He said, I have 24 gurus. And Yadu says, I don't see anybody. Where are all your gurus? Where's your sangha? He says, oh, they're all around me. For instance, that mountain over there has taught me tolerance and showed me how to go on serving others, even despite the various miseries in my own life. And the tree as well, which is something that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brings up in one of his most important teachings, that you can take lessons from a tree about how to be tolerant and how to go on serving others. And this way he goes around naming all the various entities in the environment that are instructing him. And Krishna concludes that chapter by saying, if one has purified one's own intelligence through good association, through the process of devotional service, then one's own intelligence can become one's shiksha guru. Kids, don't try this at home. 
Thank you, Nirkula. Um, the intelligence purified uh, of the contamination of the modes of material nature can actually uh, direct us properly, and we can hear the voice of Krishna. So there are so many ways to listen in. The fact is that a Krishna uh, wants to help us, and he's speaking very loudly from all different directions. And I'll leave you with this one thought, and that is, Prabhupada writes in the Adi Lila of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, fourth chapter, 34th verse, the fourth to the last uh, paragraph, that everyone, every living entity has a particular appreciating capacity, the capacity to appreciate Krishna. Some species of life have a very limited appreciating capacity, but human beings, just by their birth, have a very large appreciating capacity. And within this short human life, the goal given by Srimad Bhagavatam and realized through the process of bhakti is to expand that appreciating capacity, being able to appreciate Krishna through the Srimad Bhagavatam, through the Bhagavad Gita, through his voice within our own heart, through the reversals of fortune that take place in our lives. And one who is able to increase the appreciating capacity will see Krishna at every moment and in everything that happens. And now we'll take a few um, questions. Yes, Gauravani Prabhu, Hare Krishna, looking like a great sage from the Himalaya. So uh, my question is, thank you for a very, always very nice talk. Thanks um, for being here. Hare Krishna. Thank you for being here. Um, so it seems like if there's like a little difficulty, we can say, you know, this is Krishna helping me have more faith. Or if the difficulty that we're having spans a little bit of time, but sometimes it's really difficult, or sometimes it's going on for so long. So I guess I'm wondering if you can give some advice for sometimes when it seems like, whether we're looking at our own lives or other people's lives, like for example, the war in Syria, it's just going on for so long. How can people in a situation like that continue to have faith and strengthen themselves in a, in a time of difficulty just seems to be never-ending. If I understood you correctly, you mentioned that there are some reversals, difficulties that come in our life that seem tolerable, that seem manageable using the technique I just spoke about. And that there are others that seem so severe and they go on for so long that practically they seem insurmountable. And what to do about those different categories? And what about people in war-torn areas who from their very birth perhaps are subjected to such miseries? Is that accu an accurate recount of what you said? First of all, there are insurmountable challenges that come to us in our life that aren't easily solved or immediately solved. 
And they're put in a different category. And I'll give you an example of one in the Srimad Bhagavatam in the fourth canto, in which Prithu Maharaj, who is an incarnation of the Lord himself, was doing his duty as a king, performing sacrifices. And he had performed 99 Ashvamedha Yagyas. Now, the only person who's done more was Indra. Indra had done 100. And when Indra noticed that Prithu Maharaj was about to perform the 100th horse sacrifice, he became envious. So he personally came to disrupt the sacrifice. And to do that, he disguised himself as a sannyasi. He came in and he stole the horse from the sacrifice. Prithu Maharaj's son chased after him, but he realized, oh, it's a sannyasi, nothing I can do. So they started over again for the 100th sacrifice, and Indra did it again. Came as a different kind of sannyasi. And several times he did it. Finally, Prithu Maharaj, realizing who was doing this, and then Indra was personally trying to ruin his, his service in a significant way, decided he was going to kill him. So Brahma came and he said, don't do it. And there's a, a powerful verse in that section of the Srimad Bhagavatam that actually saved me once. If you're a temple president, you know, or any manager, but especially temple presidents, really take it on the chin. There are a lot of things that happen. Well, there are a lot of little things that happen. That's taken for granted. But sometimes there's big things that happen that are so difficult to deal with, one can simply take shelter of Vaishnavas. So that's what I did. I took shelter of some senior devotees who said, this is a really, really, really big problem. I'm losing sleep over it. And they told me a few things, and I felt about 12.5% better when I left. And then when I got home, one of my godbrothers who was in that assembly sent me an email, and he said, I just found this verse. I think it might help you. And it was the culmination that the of the advice that Brahma gave to Prithu during that time, which was when something is so severe in your life and so insurmountable that it obviously is the hand of destiny, he said, just tolerate it. Don't do anything. He said, because if you try to rectify it, you'll actually be plunged deeper into the ocean of anxiety by trying to deal with it. And Prabhupada writes in his purport, we see that even very religious people are sometimes subjected to reversals of fortune. And that the only remedy is to simply tolerate. So one has to practice this toleration. Now, at the same time, in very severe situations, you can analyze and find that those who have practiced devotional service and who are enlightened in the process because of their connection with sadhus, may be subjected to the same environment as others. For instance, a, a war-torn situation. And they're not affected by it as others are. And Prabhupada gives an example in the Srimad Bhagavatam that an elephant who goes into the raging ocean will be washed away very quickly, no match. But a tiny fish, because it's taken shelter of the ocean, can swim freely through the waves without being affected at all. So similarly, when one adopts fully this attitude of surrender to Krishna, 
no matter what the reversals are, no matter what the surroundings are, maybe war. Prabhupada, in fact, tells about how he was in Calcutta during the bombing raids, and everyone was asked to, what is it called, evacuate, to leave the city and so forth. And he, he had some duties to do there, so he just stayed and did his pujas and kept going. And he said, all around me were falling the bombs. Ching, kong, ching, kong. Prabhupada tells the sound. And he said, I wasn't afraid. I, he said, if, if the bomb came and took me away, I would take it. Krishna came and took me out of here. So there's a way in which it's noticeable that devotees who have developed this ability to hear Krishna's voice will become, even in the most severe situations, or I can amend that by saying, even if they're not calm, they know how to process the situation in such a way that they're not overwhelmed. Yes, Rasa Prada. Hare Krishna. Hare Thank Krishna. For coming home. We need you here. Don't go away, please. I need you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going back to the bird getting inside the house. Okay. You open all the windows in the house in order for him to get out. But he was scared of you. Or he was scared of the sound of the windows in order for you to let him out. But the same way, when he got in, you said, uh-oh, trouble. Okay, so now you got two negative situations here. That one is trying to help, and the other one is scared of the help you're giving him. My question is, how can I relate that in my daily life? As, as Prabhupada said, see everybody as the way you are, in, as, as part of Krishna. But in some way, somehow, that brings some negative to myself. So how do you approach the situation that the end of it helps you to be better? And when you go on the street, the bird said, here comes the man who was trying to kill me inside the house. How you manage that? How can I utilize that example that you gave about the bird in order for me to, meet, to be better to others and not be harmful to others? Thank you. I'd repeat the question, but I only have two minutes left, and I see Ananda Vrindavan coming. So, there's a way in which uh, we're not birds, and people aren't birds. Actually, living entities are very sensitive, and when our purpose is to help others, uh, living entities sense it either immediately or later on they understand. There's something very powerful about unmotivated service. And when you actually try to help people and you don't have a motivation, they sense it in, in uh, very subtle ways. So, so therefore, it's mentioned, dhira dhira janapriyo priyakaro nirmatsaro pujito, that the, the six Goswamis of Vrindavan were honored by the gentle and the ruffians because they were pure in heart. So we find this when you move about the world trying to do good for others, then if your motive is good, then they may appreciate you. On the other hand, Srimad Bhagavatam says, you are not to try to help people who are envious or are not uh, eager to be helped. This is mentioned in, in the teachings of Haviyogendra, Ishvare Taradine Shu Bali Sheshu Dvisatsucha Prima Maitri Kripopeksha Yakroti Samadhyamaha. And that is, the preacher of the Madhyama 
a devotee who's going out to help people is enjoined to avoid people who are uh, not eager to be helped or, or they're against what you're doing. You're supposed to leave them alone and then you're supposed to go away and think about how they could be helped. And this Jiva Goswami said is sat achar or good behavior in a devotee. So we just had a few minutes today together, but I, I feel uh, fortified just by sitting here with you. It feels like Naimasaranya. There's so many uh, sages here. And we read from the Bhagavatam, so it can't be too bad. And we had a few words and a few discussions, and we'll continue the vibration. I thank Ananda Vrindavan Prabhu for uh, creating such a nice environment here and all the devotees in this community for carrying on the Krishna Consciousness Movement, the generational work that you're doing. Hare Krishna.